What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm here to tonight with Braden, sir. How's it going? It's going well. Had a nice little week off, um, hanging out in Seattle with the wife. Um, good times, uh, but glad to be back. Glad to bet some pod bucks and get back into it. Yeah, quite an interesting week. I think it is kind of crazy that Will's not here because he probably would have had the most to say um, about everything I'm sure that's happened. He did. <laughs> sure he would based on based on the uh based on our dms i'm sure yep 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 but thinking about you will uh in but you, i i don't feel too bad because you actually smashed me in betting so bring quick rundown of that yeah a little bit of a rough week last week and, and granted there were some tricky matches to pick like when you talk about the terrible odds you got in Sheffield and, and City and almost got you you always had your whole week made based on that. Uh but you know City were able to claw one claw them back and 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 end up victors. Uh but the outlay of a thousand pod bucks for both of you. Um Spoon I've got you in second place with three seventeen and Will was uh in first place this week, however not quite profitable at seven and ninety eight. Uh, so a rough week uh, for both of us could have been a could have been a little bit different, uh, but we're going to pick it up and do better this week. Indeed, I mean quite a few interesting results, and you know what? Let's there's only one place to start talking about this weekend, and that was Liverpool going to St James's Park and having an absolute wild day. You see pretty much everything you expect a high uh, quality Premier League game to be and you know what Liverpool Darwin Nunes uh, as both of us kept talking about how he would have been a very good fit for Liverpool to come on and change the game goes on to score two brilliant goals gives his team the win in the depth what were your thoughts yeah I thought it was a really strong performance from Liverpool but I'd also want to back up a little bit and say that I, I think it tells us a bit about Newcastle as well and it's definitely a mismanagement of this game. Like I think they just tried to take their foot off the gas and control it. And I don't really feel that's who this Newcastle team is. Maybe it's what they want to grow into. Uh, and maybe they feel like they can do it with uh, guys like Tenali and such that they brought in. But it, it just feels like they completely took their foot off the gas. And um, Liverpool were quite happy to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely wild game management uh, by Newcastle, being up a man against Liverpool at home, up a goal as well for 70 minutes. Um, I, I think it is kind of crazy. And I mean, let, let's talk about the refereeing decisions first, because, yep. again, Will's not here. So um, <laughs> his uh, absolute outburst in the group chat was hilarious. But. I mean, for me, I think they call the foul. If you call a foul, it's a red card. And, like, that's all, that's all there is to me. Like, you, you're going to call a foul only because you think Isaac was supposed about to get the ball if he doesn't get taken out. And if he, and at that point, he's 1v1 against the keeper. I've got to agree with that. I think it's pretty clear when you think about what you need for denial of goal-scoring opportunity. Like, was he going to be clear on goal if he doesn't make that challenge? Yes. Uh was it pretty obvious that he gets the ball? I think also yes. Uh, I'm and I think potentially in y'all's game on the weekend, there's maybe a little bit more a uh, question about like who was going to be first to that ball. Like 
whether it be Turner or Bruno or whatever, but it's still how he called it. Um, but in this one, I think it was pretty clear. Uh, the ball was played at a good pace. Allison wasn't really anywhere around it, and Isaac was going to get the ball and have a have a good shot on goal. And look, Van Dyke does catch him. Like he comes and does get some of the ball later, but uh, his I think it's his left foot comes against uh, Isaac's right and kind of trips him a bit, and it's a foul. Like, and at that point, the rules are that it's denial of a goal scoring opportunity. And you're off like that. That's just how the game is. I don't think it's that controversial of a card. I have some things to say about another yellow card that we can get to in a second. But I think that one was pretty clear cut. Yeah. And you know what? At this point, it feels like referees don't show a second yellow. If it's like if they know the first yellow was a little dodgy and like they were just stamping their authority because like I feel like that's what happened with Trent. Yeah, like he gives him a yellow for like throwing the ball away or whatever. And then in a blatant foul on the way, like where he, I mean, he doesn't get the ball. He takes the player out and you call that a foul. You either don't call that a foul or if you're going to call a foul, then you have to show him a yellow. So I, I actually don't agree with that. Like when I went back and watched it, I didn't think it was stopping a promising attack. Like, yes, he takes him down. He doesn't get the ball. I, but like the rules are it's if you stop a promising attack and it was in their own third of the pitch. And yes, like Gordon is running past, but I guess massive at that point uh, was pretty much right there. Corral. The only person ahead was Isaac. I, I don't think that attack was really going anywhere. So I don't think you would have to give a yellow for it. Um, I think you've definitely seen it happen and it wouldn't surprise me if it did, but I, I think, you know, this is one of the things that I get frustrated about because it's like compare what happened with Tomiyasu uh, a week ago. I, it just feels like a totally different standard of refereeing, but like that kind of is where we are at the Premier League right now. Like it's not consistent from referee to referee and you get different results on it. But I, I don't think in my watching of that, I would not have called that a promising attack and was said, yes, it has to be a yellow card. I mean, fair uh, for me. The first one shouldn't have been, or like, is really you st- uh, stamping your authority as a referee. Like that, that's yeah. what happens there. And when I, for, I I have seen it more often than not. Like you saw it with uh, Morgan Gibbs White, I think, uh, in our game where he was on a yellow. And one of the new rules is like, if you ask for a yellow, you give them a yellow. And yep. he asked for it in front of the ref, and. The ref just like waves it off, lets it go, like just calls a foul, and it's like that you have to send like that's the new rule, right? Like then send them yeah. off, yep. and, and and that's where for me because it happened with the one of the Newcastle players too, like who um, when Van Dyke did foul him, came in like flying with a card, and McAllister once I think got a yellow when he was getting fouled because he asked for a card, so like that's where like it's just inconsistent. It's weird, yeah. Yeah, like and it, these definitive rules that they came up with for this season is, you know, like either apply it or don't apply it. Yeah. And I think even going back to Trent's first yellow, like I think the thing that frustrates me the most on that is like, yes, Trent like throws the ball back a little bit, but it wasn't like no time was wasted because of that. And it's a reaction to a shoving them back. Like it's one of those, 
if you want the game to be more physical, which the Premier like that is the other directive that the Premier League has been doing the last couple seasons is like this: let the game flow. We want the physicality and that sort of thing. If you want it to be physical, I think you have to let the players sort some of these things out. And if someone does something that someone takes a little bit of offense to, I don't think just like tossing the ball back should be a yellow card, even if it's quote time wasting, which it wasn't. Like it's not like he, it's it's not one of those where he like kicks the ball away so someone can't get it and recycle play. Like he was throwing it back at Gordon a little bit. Like I, I thought it was kind of a bogus yellow. Yeah, I mean wild uh, wild refereeing decisions, and I think uh, the FAF come out and put a four four game suspension for um, Virgil Van Dyke because of his like um, outcry in front of the referee and. I will, I will say this as somebody who has to watch Bruno Fernandez and how people want Bruno Fernandez to get banned. I don't feel <laughs> bad for you. I do not feel bad for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair. I, I think at this point, and this will probably by the time people hear this, this will be official. But I think at this point, um, Van Dyke's just been charged for the extra game and not actually like given the suspension yet. But um, I don't think it's getting overturned on appeal. Yeah, I mean, they have to appeal it, right? Like if they. If they don't appeal it, then it stands. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they did appeal fucking McAllister successfully, and, like, he was available. I, I, I had never seen that in my life, that, uh, like, somebody actually appealed successfully and got the player back. So kind of wild uh, what sometimes goes on there. But you know what? That's where the inconsistencies and everything comes to play. Um, The next game that we are going to talk about, Brighton at home, Taking on West Ham, Deserby comes up, puts on my boy, Evan Ferguson at striker. I am happy. I'm thinking this is about to be a bloodbath, given our thoughts on West Ham. And it was a bloodbath. Just <laughs> I was going to say, to not, be fair, it was. <laughs> just not the way we envisioned it, or I envisioned it, because West Ham 3, Brighton 1, absolute. I, I'm just going to call it a smash and grab, and people can get mad at me. But like that, that's what it was. They had, like I think, 20, 25% possession. If that, and just every time they countered, like, there was that perfect ball to Jared Bowen, like, amazing goal. And you know what? This is where, uh, when you're Brighton and you're trying to play the football that Deserby is, like, on a, on a day when the other team's clinical and you're not, like, you might run into issues. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I kind of tend to agree with your stance on it being a little bit of a smash and grab. I, I don't know that's a hundred percent correct. Cause if you, if you look at where Brighton are taking their shots, like, or not Brighton. Um, if you look at West Ham, uh, is taking their shots. Like if you just look at a shot chart, it's pretty central. It's pretty close to the goal. It, it's in the spots that you want to take. Like it's high XG opportunities. And, you know, West Ham actually had a much higher XG than Brighton in this game. According to understats, 2.95 to 1.37. I, I think West Ham did a good job of being pretty solid at the back. Conversely, Brighton's shot map, a lot of it's outside the box. Um, some of it is pretty far from goal. None of it's in the six yard box. Uh, I think West Ham were pretty solidly organized and, and ready to spring a counter, and that's kind of fair enough. Like they, they didn't fall for some of Brighton's tricks, so they get you to kind of come out and, and go for them. So I think there's a lot of credit to West Ham here. Um, I certainly, I know I had them predicted to go down. I, I'm not convinced that West Ham can keep this up much longer, but I, this is a really solid win. 
Yeah, and I mean, the more I looked into the stats, the more it's just very vintage David Moyes, where when he has his team, when he has his players, like, hey, I, we are not trying to be something we're not, right? Yeah. And that's where I think it really uh, played well for them. And I mean, they won the game, top of the league, like good vibes all around West Ham right now, which is kind of crazy given that they lost uh, Declan Rice and like people were like, hey, like, including us, I, like, I, we didn't agree with how they were like really spending money, but now they've got Kudus coming in and, you know, the, the vibes are very different all of a sudden. And, um, Hey, like he might not know how to use Kamaka, but he definitely knows how to use a player like Kudu. So very, very intrigued to see what might happen here. But you know what? It is time to get into this weekend's games. But before we go there, Braden, do you want to give a quick outline of how we're going to preview them? Yep. So if it's your first time listening to us, first of all, welcome. Uh, but what we do here every week is we are going to take a hundred virtual dollars. We call them pod bucks around here and put them on each of the three way money lines, uh, for the upcoming matches. So the possible outcomes are going to be a home win, a way win or a draw. And, uh, we may talk about some other things, some over unders, uh, some spreads, some prop bets, that sort of thing. But the main thing we're going to do for our picks and where we're going to hold ourselves accountable, like we did earlier uh, this episode, which wasn't so great, um, is going to be the three-way money line. Um, So with that, uh, let's get into it. Indeed, another Friday night kickoff. Luton at home for the first time in the Premier League at plus 350 taken on West Ham at minus 130. Draws at plus 285. Over-unders at two and a half. Braden, West Ham a train continuing here? Uh, so, I'm going with no. I, Will would call this the dumbass bet of the week. Um, I, I'm going with Luton here. I think West Ham are coming off of a big win. I think it, if you want to talk about this in a, in American sports term, this is a trap game. You've got a, a team like Luton who are playing their first whole match coming up to the Premier League. I think it's going to be a pretty uh, raucous in a very different stadium just feeling to other clubs in the Premier League. And so I I think that Luton are going to be ready to play this game. Um, are West Ham the better team, and should they win this game? Probably. But I, I think that there's enough of the intangibles. And I think at plus 350, you're getting paid the right amount to, to bet on this. Uh, that I, I'm going to take Luton and probably regret this uh, around 530 on Friday. Fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm going to take Luton as well, just because I think they're going to make some signings here before the end of the window. They're linked with uh, Hannibal from United, and you know I'd I'd love to see him get a run out out there. And you know, like teams that are n- not great or not good, really. Um, a, a lot of the times win in like big occasions, and this is a big occasion for Luton. And I think that that is going to be the reason that. Uh, I'm going to go with Luton. And I just don't trust West Ham at minus 130. I I, I agree with that. And I think the other thing that I wanted to point out here that I I should have is that uh, Luton are the only team we haven't seen play at home yet. And so we've seen all these other teams have a home match, which generally they're more positive and more like free-flowing and that sort of thing. And we haven't seen that at all for Luton. So we don't really know how they're going to play. There's a lot of assumptions. A lot of people are wondering if they're going to be worse than the Derby County team is the worst one in the Premier League. Let's let them play a home match before we decide that, and we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, should be fun. Um, moving on, another team that recently came up, Sheffield United at home at plus 210, taking on Everton at plus 140, draws at plus 225, over-unders at 2.5. I know they're favored in this game, but like losing at home to uh, Wolves team, not a great start for Sondage. Yeah, and they have not scored a goal yet this season. I I know we're only three games in, that sort of thing, but I, I think it's just it, it's not really clicking right now uh, at Everton. And so for that reason, to me, this has draw written all over it. Like, I just, I'm not a huge believer in Sheffield right now. They played very well against uh, Manchester City, but it wasn't really much of an attacking sense. Like, it was hold on for... 70 75 minutes and then we'll try to throw a few people forward and and fair enough they got a goal out of it but i just granted they'll probably play differently uh, against everton than they do city for obvious reasons but i just I, i'm not sure that I, i'm convinced that they carry that performance over uh into this week so i'm gonna go with the draw i might take the under in this one as well because i just don't really believe in the attacking prowess of these two teams you know, I'm going to go with Sheffield United here. I, I think they are they're a team that's just not a good match for Sean Dyche. Like, I, I think ultimately Sean Dyche likes to play on the counter a little bit on the set pieces. And, like, Sheffield United, big big players. Like, that's how they play. So, I'm going to go with Sheffield here, especially at home. Plus 210. Worth of life. If I'm going to take one at plus 352. So... Moving on, Brentford at home at minus 145, taking on Bournemouth at plus 360, draws at plus 310, over-unders at two and a half. Do you think the Brentford uh, train, at least at home, that we thought is going to keep gonna like look good, get back on track here? Yeah, I think this is a good get-right spot for Brent- Brentford. I think that uh, Bournemouth, well, I think they're a, a decent team. I, I don't think they're quite... Uh, they're certainly not going to be an upper mid table type team. And I think Brentford are kind of around that position. So we'll need to see how they put it all together. But I I think so far what I've seen from Brentford, I've been encouraged. I was worried that they might uh, look terrible without Ivan Tony, but it looks like Waymo and and Wissa are going to be decent deputizers for the time being. So I'm going to take Brentford here. Minus 145 isn't my favorite, but I do think they're just a little bit better than this Bournemouth team. And I think them being at home, we'll see it out. I'm going to actually go for a draw here. I, I need Brentford to show me more than what they have shown so far without Ivan Tony And Bournemouth are a team, like, for what it's worth, um, I, I think they are playing all right football. And a game like Brentford, like if things go their way, like Dominic Solanke luckily looks like a good player, like can things can happen. So I'm gonna take the draw here uh, in this game. Also, I just don't trust them at minus 145 realistically. Like that, that's why I don't want. That's to fair. Uh, moving on, Burnley at home at plus 280, taking on Spurs at minus 115, draws at plus 295, over/unders at three. Do you think? In both our predictions so far, we are giving um, promoted teams their first points. Do you think uh, that continues here with Burnley? This is a tough one because I think Spurs have played uh, very well here recently. Um, obviously, the, the game against United was a big one. Uh, but also, like going to Bournemouth and, and seeing that match out the way they did as a pretty um, pretty professional performance. Um, 
and something I wasn't sure that we we're going to see this soon uh, with Pasacoglu's team. Like, I think that um, we all know that they were going to be an attacking team and they, that they were going to be able to put those bodies forwards and are going to be kind of a fun team to watch. But I, I think it was the other direction that we were going to be concerned about. And they look like they might be okay there. Uh, I think that'll have to play itself out, out a bit, but early on, it looks like it, it might be okay. So I'm going to take Spurs in this one. Um, I will say I do like both teams to score in this. Um, I, I haven't looked at the odds on it, but just like for these two teams, I, I think there's a good chance that both of them score. Um, so I, I might take that, especially with Burnley at home. Um, but I think Spurs will probably get it over the line. Um, despite the midweek uh, loss. I mean, yeah, I think ultimately Burnley need to show me something here uh, because until they do, like, we have seen plenty of teams like Norwich, for example, that would look very, very good playing fluid football in the championship and just come into the Premier League and not know what they're doing. And, I mean, Spurs look good in the Premier League. Like, got to give them credit. And for what it's worth, like, Richarlison got his goal. And they are another candidate, like, between now and when this game is actually played, they might go and sign somebody who might yeah. make a difference in this game. So, going to go with Spurs. Moving on, Chelsea at minus 260, taking on Forest at plus 625, draws at plus 400, over-unders at three. Do you think Chelsea signed a whole new team before this game kicks off? <laughs> Just an, another 500 million, like, straight in. Uh, possibly. Who knows? Uh, if there's someone out there with the 250 million release clause, like it's a possibility. Um, this one's tough for me. Like I just, I don't yet trust Chelsea at minus 260. I I think Chelsea are probably the much. Uh, Chelsea should win this game. Um, I don't really like the draw or Forest even at, at plus 400 and plus uh, 625. So I'm gonna. Go with the draw here. Um, I have very little faith in it, but uh, you know, as we saw with Nottingham Forest uh, this past week, they can score a couple goals. Like they, they do have a counter in them. Um, and Chelsea have looked good in most of their games, but I, I haven't really seen them look great. And they've had a couple of mistakes in them so, in there. So I think of. Um, like Caicedo giving away the penalty uh, when he came on, there's there's a little bit of that in there. So I'm going to take a draw and see if it works. This is mostly just about the odds, though. I don't trust Chelsea at minus 260, but I don't really love Forrest either. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, fair. Uh, I, I'm going to take a draw as well, but I mean primarily because I don't want to bet on Chelsea at minus 260. Like, Chelsea should win this game. Uh and they probably will, primarily because they do have a midfield that can control and be aggressive, unlike United. But, uh, you know, sometimes a team that's wounded after like a loss like they had at uh, Old Trafford might be a good preparation for them to go to uh, Stafford Bridge. But you know what? Let's talk about a team coming off a midweek high here. Fulham, after knocking out Spurs in the Carabao Cup. Sorry, Spurs forgot about you for a second. Um Taking on do. City. Taking on City at uh, Etihad. City are minus 600. Fulham are plus 1300. Draws are plus 700. Over-unders at three and a half. Do you think this is going to be one of those triple captain Holland moments? I, I wouldn't do that. I think that this is... 
I would not take the over in this game. I think City probably win this pretty comfortably. Uh, but Fulham are a team that I think gave them a little bit of credit, or not credit, gave them a little bit of trouble last year. Like I remember uh, De Bruyne had a late penalty um, foul, if we want to call it that, uh, to, to give them uh, to give them a win at Craven Cottage. And, and I think they probably handled them a little bit better at Eddie Hodge. But I, just, I think they are a team that can give them a little bit of trouble. But City are going to be too good for this Fulham team that I just don't really see where it's coming from and also had to play midweek. Like, I think that that's going to make a difference. You've got a, a team that's, you know, has had the whole week off to prepare city versus Fulham had to play midweek. I think that can make a difference. Yeah. I, I'll take the draw just cause city of minus 600. I don't need like six bucks or whatever I'm going to make there. Um, moving on. This is a fascinating line for me because Brighton at home, after like a myth has kind of been destroyed here by uh, West Ham, uh, are at plus 155. And Newcastle, who absolutely shot the bet in the second half, are also at plus 155. Draws at plus 280. Over-unders at three and a half. I could very well see this be a 2-2 draw. I could see that as well. Like, I think these are two pretty, I don't want to say even teams, but I think that they they both had a really good start to the season when you think of the Newcastle demolishing a villa on on the first weekend and you think of Brighton and how how they got off and just destroying everyone at the start up until this past weekend and it's pretty tough to find a winner here uh, i think deserby is still tinkering a little bit with some of his pieces uh, but i also didn't really care for what I saw from Newcastle this week as far as uh, how they were able to uh, not put Liverpool away in that game. So at the Amex, I think I'm going to take Brighton in this one. I think they're just a little bit better at home, and I think that they do have the talent to go toe-to-toe with Newcastle. Um, it's really tough, though. I, I can see any of these three outcomes here, to be honest. You know, I'm I'm going to go with Newcastle here. Because I think there is a chance. I think Estepinian is still out for this game um, off the injury he sustained. So uh, Newcastle are going to come back like trying to go crazy, in my opinion. And yeah, I, I, I just don't think um, they are going to just sit back and take it kind of situation. And um, especially from a Brighton team that... I thought their biggest asset is being at home and being able to play quick, being able to play fast, and that like uh, ultimate ability not being there. Like Eddie Howe is very similar to how um, David Moyes is in a way where like he will do what's needed to win the game, and here like he knows he got to win, and that's what he's gonna do. So I, I I trust Newcastle being able to take advantage of that as well. Uh, moving on, Palace at home at minus 110, taking on Wolves at plus 320, draws at plus 250, over-unders at two and a half. Brayden, do you think uh, Wolves reignited something or they're still going to have trouble scoring goals? Must like uh, Palace. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got... Actually, I'm going to take a draw at this one. I was, I was prepared to say I've got Palace in this one, uh, but I think I'm going to take a draw. Like I just, I haven't quite seen enough from Palace this season as far as... Scoring, they played some decent opposition, etc. But um, Wolves have been a little bit better than I thought. So I, I'm i going to take a draw here. I think that maybe a 1-1 sounds about right. 
Um, I don't really trust either of these two teams to really score. Palace are very good at home, so that could potentially see them uh, get over the line. Maybe what I might do with real dollars is take uh, the Wolves spread, um, because with a draw in play, I, I might want to take like just a point five and not have to get the draw outcome. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take Palace. I think they have to win this game. Like again, show me something. Because otherwise, I'm looking at this Palace team like similar to how I looked at Wolves last year. You can create a lot, but like there's no goal scorer. And until and if you can't even beat Wolves at home, like that that is. I mean, I know we almost didn't, but if you can't beat Wolves at home, I I think you've got uh some issues. Because ultimately, like they're there for the taking in games like this, in my opinion. Uh, moving on, Liverpool resurgent after that 2-1 win, taking on Villa. Liverpool at minus 150, Villa at plus 340, draws at plus 350, overruns at 3.5. I'm going to say, I'm going to just go ahead and take Liverpool, and you should take the over here as well. I, I think over is a really good shout. This one is tricky for me, though, because uh, similar to what we had talked about earlier about a trap game, this does kind of feel a little bit like that for Liverpool. You just come off a big... Uh, you just come off a big emotional win and the comeback like they did, you know, Klopp was going over the crowd, punching the air, doing that sort of thing. And maybe they're vulnerable for a Villa team that after having a miserable first match have really seemed like they put it together since then. I, I like the over, I like both teams to score. Um, I think I'm going to take Villa here. I think the plus three forty is just right for a team that, is going to be missing Van Dyke uh, in the back. And I think that will make a difference. No Kanade, no Van Dyke. I think that can be a difference in this game. Um, so I'm going to take Villa. I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it hard. Like Liverpool are likely, you know, they're, they're games that can define your season. And doing what they did there, like at Newcastle, I think will really give them the energy, the belief, and the motivation to go on. If they lose this, like I, I, I will have a lot to say about Liverpool, but I just don't see them lose this at Anfield. Uh, moving on, final game before the international break: Arsenal minus one twenty-five taking on United at plus three hundred, draws at plus three hundred, over/unders at three. Brayden. Do you are you gonna smash the over and Arsenal here? I don't know about the over. I am taking Arsenal. I I just I think that there's been a lot made of Arsenal's quote unquote struggles so far this season, and I, I think people are panicking a little bit more than they really should. Uh, but I think that this will represent a game that I think Arteta can get everyone focused, and I think that they will be able to go out and, and put our performance in this one. I think this one will have been circled since before the season, but certainly since uh, the uh, what happened at MetLife Stadium. So I, I think that there will be a little bit of wanting to get out there and, and prove a point, because, you know, you know, I were a little bit more physical that day, and I think Arsenal got pushed around a little bit. I think they'll be eager to not let that happen again. Yeah, I mean, the superstar of that day for me, Kobe Mayne, is not going to be on the field, so that is kind of sad. But uh, I- I'm going to take Arsenal as well. I think United are... It, there is too much uncertainty between what the starting eleven is going to be because, like, we, you put Dalo out there at left-back against Saka, like, this would be, like, 7-0. Like, oh, if, you see Dalo, if you see Dalo start against Saka, you just take the over. 
you take the over, you bet all your mortgage on Arsenal, and you just go for it. But um, I, I think ultimately United have too many injuries. Like, Varane's not going to be there. Like, that is one of the few physical players we ha- do have on the team. You, um, like, mounts out, so out of possession is going to be shit. So, it, it, and Ten Hag really isn't a manager who likes to just sit back and counter. Like, he will do that from time to time, but, like, he still wants his team to go out there and impose a little bit of authority. So, uh, because of that reason, I am going to go with Arsenal as well. So, uh, that brings us to an end of uh, this week's episode. We'll be back next week. A lot, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things to discuss from the games, but there's also going to be an international break there. A transfer window ends this Thursday, so... We shall see which teams make some more moves and, you know, really get going for the rest of the season. Cheers.